Hello and welcome, 80 Grade listeners. This is 80 Grade Podcast brought to you by Six Man Rotation. I am your host, Reese White, and on this week we will actually be tackling a couple different topics, mainly the two big ones. We got the J2 guys that are going to be signing today or tomorrow, as you're listening to this, as this is recorded on July 1st. And then we will also be talking about the Futures Game rosters that were released. We'll also we'll probably be starting the National League and then go, you know, alphabetically as far as the teams go, start with Arizona. But yeah, let's start off with the J2 guys. The J2 guys are probably going to be some of the more interesting guys, you know, in your first-year player drafts. And I'll be doing a first-year player draft ranking at some point this offseason because most people do, the, do their first-year player draft in, you know, around... I'm going to say around January is normal. That's when I do a lot of mine. So let's start with the top guy. And I've been seeing a lot of publication about this guy. His name is Jason Dominguez. He's, he's potentially going to be signed with the New York Yankees. I say potentially because there's no nothing official as of right now. But these deals are mostly worked out as we talk about it right now. Jason Dominguez is kind of your toolsy athletic outfielder i'd say as far as tools wise he's very very similar to luis robert and the fact that you're going to be having a guy who has explosive power and explosive speed we're probably talking 60 on both now jason dominguez is 16 when he's going to sign while luis robert is a little bit older than that and we have you know we have some reports and nothing nothing concrete yet but jason dominguez he's kind of around that six foot area probably a little bit shorter but he's a switch hitter like i said with explosive power and explosive speed there's a chance he sticks but if he doesn't he probably can move to right because there are reports that he has a really really strong arm so he profile as a potential you know impact right fielder for whatever team he's on because he's this guy's going to be a couple years away there's nothing he's not going to be rushed but he's so as far as talent-wise, I think he's probably below, you know, some recent guys in Vlad Guerrero and Wander Franco. The good one, not the one that plays for San Francisco, I believe. The bad one. That one's not very good as we speak. But Jason Dominguez is probably closer to Marco Luciano and Diego Cartea as far as talent goes. But this is a guy who, if he was in this most recent draft, I've told a few people, I think he would have gone ahead of Bobby Witt, so he would have been the second best player in this draft behind behind the guy who I think is probably going to be a future stud in Adley Rushman, as he should be. He's the number one overall pick. Should be a future stud. But yeah, this is a guy who the Yankees are getting their top prospect tomorrow or today as you're, as you're listening to this. But he's... He's far and away the best guy in this class. I don't think there's any debate on that. But then there's this guy who, Robert Pousson, I hope I'm saying that correctly. He's going to be signing potentially, I say potentially in quotation marks again, with Oakland. And he's another guy. He's a little bit taller. He's kind of in that Carlos Correa shortstop frame. Uh, I've seen some Ronnie Mauricio comps. But this is a guy who, if he doesn't stick at short, he could move to third. He's very, very athletic, has a good arm. Also, is not you know not known for his power per se, but he could develop some potentially plus power later on down the road as he fills out his frame. But he's a guy who's got a little bit of speed, and but the biggest problem is is he going to stay at shortstop? I think that's one of the biggest things. If he was a lock to stay at shortstop, I think he'd be talking about Jason Dominguez and Robert Pusson as two guys who are far and away the best guys. But I think right now we have a tier: Jason Dominguez, Robert Pusson, and then there becomes a little bit of question marks. I've got Luis Rodriguez, number three. I think he's a guy who's got potential plus power with the ability to, you know, square up, square up some pitches. I think he's going to make decent contact. But again, this is these are 16-year-olds that we're talking about. They are a long ways away. A lot of things can change. A lot of these guys go through body changes. Even like, like Vlad Guerrero at one point was an outfielder. 
and he basically told teams, um, you're not signing me for my gloves, so I don't care. You're, you're going to be here to see my bat. But yeah, Luis um, Rodriguez is a guy who, there are some there are some talks he could stick in center, but if he doesn't, he can move to right, and he could be a potential impact bat. And then as far as number four, I'm really going to go top five because I don't think there's, I don't, I don't, haven't really got a chance to really, really dig in. And this is, you know, the J2 guys is kind of the sampler because they're the stars of tomorrow, but, and then we can get into the first, not a first-year player draft. That's that's going to be later on down the road. We're going to be talking about the Futures game. So, but yeah. And then we got, as far as I go, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Bayron Laura of Texas. This is a guy who's got potential 70-grade power. Everything I've seen, this guy can just flat-out rake. Now, he's also very big. He's six foot four, two twenty, according to Fangraphs. He's a right-right cor- potential corner guy, probably right-field, left-fielder. But this is a guy who's got insane power. I think he's going to be a big home run hitter. He's potentially going to be signing with Texas, but I think he's a guy who's just going to be a massive, massive star and someone you're going to want to draft in your first-year player drafts. You know, probably second round because the kind of the the pool this year in the first-year player drafts kind of falls off after. So I'm going to say probably Adley Rushman, Andrew Vaughn go one, two, depending, and then Jason Dominguez, depending on if you have a Yankee fan, this guy could go even higher than three, but I'd I'd probably take him at three, and and I've told a few people in in a league that I'm in that I'm going to be taking him at three because I'm kind of locked in at three. My team's not very good. But yeah, so then we have Ronier Quintero. He is a catcher who's going to be signing with the Chicago Cubs. Now he's not, he's not going to be known for his athleticism, but he is a he has a chance to be a potential impact catcher. He could be a both way. He could potentially impact the game both ways. There's there's some solid, you know, there's a good arm, and he's got some power. So that's obviously, you know, two things. In today's game, catching is kind of really bad. And if you can get that from him, he's he's got a chance to be really, really good. So, and he, you know, there's, there's not, there might not be any swing. There's not as much swing and miss concerns as there is with the normal catching prospect. And the Cubs, you know, they've done a decent good job developing catchers as of recently. They have Wilson Contreras, one of my favorite prospects, Miguel Amaya, who we'll be talking about later. That's a segue, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, I, th- I really think Quintero is a really interesting guy that I would be drafting and keeping an eye on in your first-year player drafts. And, you know, if you can already pick him up and you're one of those open universe leagues, I think any of these five guys are guys you should be owning and should be targeting. Jason Dominguez probably someone I draft in the first round, top five pick. Robert Pousson as another guy. I think, you know, after the top five, after after you go, after Adley, Andrew, Jason, Dominguez, Riley Green, C.J. Abrams, depending on how you rank them, J.J. Bleday, I think that's the next guy who you should be targeting in your first year player draft. Luis Rodriguez is someone I draft maybe in the late, you know, if we're, ta- we're talking 16-team because that's what I play in most of my dynasty 16-12-team. I don't play a lot of 14-team, and I don't really have anything above a 20-team league. So, yeah, like, you know, in your 16-team leagues, which is what I kind of use because that's my favorite league that I, I kind of commission, so I kind of have a reason to love it more than others. I think Luis Rodriguez is someone you can draft in the end of the first round, and then once you get into the second round and stuff, I think Bayron Laura, Ronier Quintero are two guys that I'd really, really be targeting because, like I said, this first-year player draft kind of kind of dries up really quickly. There's some interesting guys, but, you know, every year there's some interesting guys, and they all sort of flame out, and then you get the random Jaron Duran, another guy who we'll be talking about later, actually. He, he kind of pops up out of nowhere. So, But, yeah, this J2, like I said, number one, Jason Dominguez, New York Yankees, Robert Pousson, Oakland Athletics, Luis Rodriguez, Los Angeles Dodgers, Baron Laura, Texas 
Rangers and Ranier Quintero, Chicago Cubs. These are my top five right now, and there's some. They're, this is some really really talented class. I think the J two class is one of the more talented ones in recent years. You have the 2015 class, which is just absolutely like full of studs. I think that was a class that Vlad and Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto were in. This is just a really really talented. You know, that was a really talented class, and I think this one. I'm not gonna say it's gonna rival that one because that has. Vlad Guerrero, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis, who Tatis kind of got snuffed from the All-Star game, if I'm being honest, but I don't know. That's a talented crop right there. Those three, and then there's a ton of guys following those. But yeah, so the the 2019 J2 class is really, really exciting, and it's going to be filled with a lot of guys who, you know, when I do decide to release my first-year player draft, I'll probably do a podcast and then do the article itself. I think it's going to be a guy that, I think this will be a class that has a lot of guys who are going to be drafted earlier than I think a lot of people anticipate. And that's going to be, you know, it's a really good thing because you have to be patient with these guys. But if you get on the ground floor of, like, the next Vlad or the next Wander Franco or the next Juan Soto, you really, really have an asset that you really... I don't think that many... I think that's one of the advantages of a Dynasty League is that you can get in on the ground floor of these guys because you invest so little in them. And then you don't have to trade them. You don't have to trade for them. You can, And then you can trade them for a haul because most prospects, their value peaks around the time that they're called up. And, but I know you know a lot of these guys you're going to keep and develop into your future stars of tomorrow. So I think this J2 class, like I said, uh, to put my little closing thoughts on it, I think it's a very talented crop that's going to be full of a few, a real, quite a few impact players. And speaking of impact players, that's a, that's a segue, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about the Futures game. And I'm going to start with the National League because that's kind of... I don't know. I think there's a lot of interesting guys in both leagues, but, you know, I have a few guys in the National League that I kind of like. And we're going to start with the Arizona Dimebacks. We're going to start with Dalton Varsho, their first their first of two, actually. So the Futures game, so just a little bit of background, they're changing it up. They decided to switch from the Internationals versus the American-born players, which is a nice thing because the U.S.-born players, the pitching tended to be more advanced because they had a lot more college guys coming through than the... Uh, international guys and the international guys they move quickly because a lot of pitchers you know we all know they develop injuries and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of safety when it comes to pitching you know you got potentially the second or third best guy right now in Casey Mize is already dealing with an injury dealing with a shoulder inflammation apparently minor but we'll see how that goes so yeah I like the new switch actually the seven inning switch I'm not a fan, but it also speeds things up because, unfortunately, we have to deal with the stupid softball game that no one watches and that no one really cares about. I'm sorry if anyone that's in this in that softball game or any of those softball fans are listening to that, but that softball game is really boring. There's nothing to it. And it also cuts into the BP, and the BP, I think, is almost as important for the game for the hitters because you get to see what kind of power do they have in their bat. Who was it last? There was a guy last year who everyone was surprised by the power, and then... He's just kind of, you know, this guy who people thought were 50 grade power and then kind of blew up. Oh, I wish I knew who it was. I should have written that down on the podcast notes. That's my bad. But yeah, so uh, let's just jump into this and see how, you know, see how these rosters look. This is the National League, like I said, starting off with the Arizona Diamondbacks, Dalton Varsho. He is a catcher at the moment. I don't know if he stays there. Um, apparently there's been some talks that his arm is just not good enough at the position. He just doesn't have the plus cannon arm that a lot of catchers have. But he is a really, really good athlete for the position. And there's chance, there's a talk he could move off. I think he could probably play second base if given the chance. He's just that athletic. He's got he's got the requisite arm for second base. But this is a guy who's power, some speed. I believe, let me check out his stats right now. 
but he's someone who I really, really enjoy, and he's someone that I've been. Ta- I actually have in a few leagues because I enjoy the talent, and it's, a, it's an intriguing talent. It's kind of like he's a better version of Garrett Stubbs, who a lot of guys liked a couple of years ago. Garrett Stubbs is actually in the majors right now, so that's exciting. But yeah, he's a double A right now. We're talking about uh, Varsho. He has nine home runs, ten stolen bases, slashing two sixty four, three fifty, and has a slugging four thirty seven. So you know, slugging. He's, he's showing a little bit of power. Showing doubles power as well, but it has a little bit of over the fence power. The the OBP is what's really exciting about him at the moment. Thirty three Ks to twenty four walks. This is a guy who's really really just has a chance to you know be an above average player. I don't if he was a if he could if you could tell me that he's going to stick at catcher, I'd love him even more. I still love him, but I'd, I'd love him more. But I just don't think he's going to stay at catcher. And then we're going to transition over to his teammate or organization mate because they're not on the same team. Alec Thomas. Alec Thomas, for a little background, last year was drafted in the second round of the 2018 draft, and he was someone who's his dad. His dad was a strength and conditioning coach for the Chicago White Sox, I believe. Yeah, and he's someone who you know he's gonna have. He's gonna have the someone who's gonna tell him how to keep himself physically mature and just maximize that talent. This is someone who is a plus athlete. He was also a football recruit. He's committed to Texas Christian University, so he's a TCU. Uh, commit play both ways and he was their top guy for their draft because they did not sign Matt McLean last year because they were wanting one number he wanted another and yeah we're gonna just transition not talk about that but yeah he was a he's currently slashing 290 378 and he is slugging 459 so he's close to you know he's very close to a 300 average 290 he's also drawing a lot of walks which is really encouraging for someone so young, you know, that he's not swinging and missing, not looking overmatched at. And he is in the Midwest League, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he is in, yeah, King County Cougars in the Midwest League. He's got seven home runs, eight stolen bases, chance to probably be a right fielder, maybe a left fielder, because the arm is just not great. He's someone who, the arm has always been kind of a question mark, but... You know, he's someone who has a lot of a lot of fantasy upside. And this is not only a fantasy podcast, but it's also a real-life podcast. And he's got a lot of real-life upside, too, because if he's a left fielder, he's a potential gold glover there. He is that good defensively. I think he's just someone who a lot of a lot of people have started to buy in on because he's now, you know, he's in a full-season league. He wasn't playing around in the comp. He's not got sent back down to the complex. Like, a lot of guys that were drafted in that same draft in the high school range, they were kind of kind of sent back to the complex leagues having to deal with that but now he's someone who is in the midwest league probably is probably could be could be due for a promotion to oh they, they actually theirs is actually high a so that could actually potentially be close to me so we'll see we'll see how Alex thomas is handled but yeah that's the arizona diamondbacks representative they have two and they're both very talented both second round picks so they've shown that they can draft ta- guys that are talented outside of the first round i really like what they've done with their draft and their system, and I think these two are going to be two of the more two really interesting guys to watch in this futures game. So to transition, we're going to talk about probably one of the top three systems in all of baseball in the Atlanta Braves. And their first guy is oh, I don't want to say he's their best position prospect because it's really a coin flip between Christian Pache and Drew Waters, but Christian Pache is the one who will be representing them as far as the position players go. He is a plus runner. Maybe even double plus. And he's also a double plus fielder in center field. So he's got a lot of value. He's got a lot of present value to the Major League squad. And he's also starting to hit for some power. He was someone who, there was talks, you know, maybe he's a 20 grade power guy with elite defense and a decent hit tool. But no, he's definitely shown that he could probably has plus, not plus, he has average power, potentially above average. 
And with the way the with, with the way he makes contact, he could be one of those guys that maximizes, you know, the, the current offensive environment we we live in in the in the major leagues. He's just someone who's just so good. Right now, 297, 356 on base, 528 slug, 11 home runs, seven stolen bases. He's someone who uh, he's super fast. He's like. Victor Robles, super, super fast, but I don't think he's a great base stealer, but I think he's, he's, he's going to utilize his speed in the outfield and stretching, you know, stretching singles into doubles, doubles into triples. I think that's where his speed is going to most likely be utilized. I do not envision him being like more than a 15, 20, more than a 15, 15 to 18 home, a stolen base threat with potentially 15 to 20 uh, homers, because I just don't think that the base running instinct, you know, the stolen base instincts are there. And then we're going to transition over to their pitcher. This is the first pitcher that we're going to talk about in Ian Anderson. He was the number three overall pick in the 2016 draft. He's already in double A. He's actually a teammate of Christian Pache, so he gets to benefit from that elite defense. He, you know, right now, 294 ERA, 113 Ks to 43 walks. He's in 85.2 innings, so he's showing that he has potential, you know, one, not one one two maybe three upside i think more likely he's going to be a number two starter but he's got a 1.2 whip i really like the mechanics he's got a really good fastball the curveball he'll show it will show above average potentially plus and the changeup's really really good and he just you know he kind of lives in the zone he's very talented i really like ian anderson he's one of the more talented pitchers in the entire minors i think as if we're talking about pitching prospects he's definitely in the top 10 for for sure easy i think we're talking about Mackenzie Gore, Forrest Whitley, Casey Mize, and then Jesus Lazardo. And then after him, after him, I think after Jesus Lazardo, you could really make a case for Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, he's only 21 in AA, so young for the level. He probably, with the way the Braves have been aggressive, there is a chance that we could see him at the end of the season. But he's definitely, you know, deserving a call up to AAA at some point. And he's really, really talented. So we'll see. We'll see where... He, his progression goes because I think I'm, I think he's going to be someone who, when he gets to the majors, joining that rotation of Mike Soroka, he's just going to be really really talented. Now let's now we we just talked about one of the best systems in all the minors, and now we're going to talk about you know one of the worst. But they they have they have two representatives. So and I actually I don't know if one of them is going to stay with the club or stay in the futures game because he's actually currently up at the major league squad in Albert Azale. Albert Azale he's kind of been used. He, he was used as a starter, but then he was used as a piggyback guy, as a guy who he's got he's got a little bit of command issues. He's already have six walks and eight point eight and two thirds innings. He's nine Ks though, hasn't really heard him yet. He's he's given up two home runs in his you know very, very small eight point two sample size in the in the majors, but in thirty six innings in the minors, he has forty nine strikeouts, eight walks, five five home runs allowed. He has a ground out to air out of uh, almost about almost one at, at point nine. This is someone who I don't know what his future is as far as a starter reliever, but you know he's 24 years old. He's already at the major league level, and I don't know if he's going to stay with the. He's going to stay on this major league, on his on this futures game roster because he's just you know he's, he should just be graduated as a prospect, and they probably have to do a couple of things with him. He could be sent down and stay, but who knows? We'll we'll see what the Cubs do. I think he I think they kind of need him right now. The rotation's not been the best at the moment. And then we're going to talk about one of my favorite prospects in all the Myers, Miguel Amaya. He's someone who started to tap into a little bit more power. The average isn't great, but he's drawing a walk. You know, a pretty common theme nowadays with the three-true outcome becoming more and more popular. But the 210 average, 336 on base, 360 slug. So he's not hitting for immense power at the moment. 
but I think this is someone who, you know, as far as catchers go, you're really you're really looking for the defense, and he definitely has that baseline skill of defense, and and the framing and and the blocking ability and the plus arm. This is someone who, he's his arm has really come a long way. It was kind of you know fringy, and then he's really made strides, and he also he he just is really really good at positioning himself and getting you know when you know when the drop third strike, which is the dumbest thing in all baseball. He just handles that well, gets in a good position to throw the runner out, and then he, he takes advantage of getting a good step, good first step, good pop to get the guy get the runner out when they're trying to steal second on him. He's just someone who, you know, the defense at worst, I think he's a defensive catcher who's a backup for a good team. But I think there's often there's there's offensive upside that he showed last year. He showed a little bit he showed more power than he's ever showed. He showed he's so far he's a six home runs, but and twelve doubles. He's just He's just not hitting, you know, hitting for good contact at the moment. I think this is someone who he's one of the twi- he's one of that 2015 class I was actually talking about too. So I think just as far as talent goes, Miguel Amaya is probably one of my favorite catchers in this entire thing. So we'll see how that goes. He's the second catcher on the roster, and there's there's one more. But as far as you know, he's one who I definitely think is a lock state catcher. Now we're gonna transition over to the Reds who. I the Cubs division rival, one of their division rivals, and recently they had a little, they had a little, uh, I won't say a brawl because it's kind of uh, exaggerating and being hyperbolic, but you know, Puig got hit by Pedro Strope. Pedro Strope was a 3-0 count, and then decided to throw inside for what seemed like no reason at Puig, and then Puig got angry, and you know, people decided to blame Puig, but I think Pedro Strope was the instigator in this all. But to talk about Puig's organization mate, Taylor Trammell, Taylor Trammell is someone that I think a lot of guys and a lot of girls have had love-hate relationships with. He kind of came out in the Arizona Fall League and said, I don't pay attention to analytics. And that's not something, you know, a lot of us analytically inclined people really want to hear, especially from a top prospect. But he's like, I'm not really into the analytics. And he's definitely someone who, he's not a center fielder, not because he doesn't have the speed to do it, but he just doesn't have the arm. He doesn't have the, his arm is an average. It's it's below average. He's, in, he's a left fielder all the way. So... He's the bat has to have the bat carries him. He's gonna have to carry him because left field is not a premium position. But this is someone who has plus speed, easy plus speed, and he's also showed showed the ability to make quality contact. Now he kind of you know kind of struggling a little bit as we talk about right now as far as the average goes: two forty three average, three sixty seven on base percentage, and three thirty five slug. The slugging is not great. He's not hitting for a lot of power. Only has four home runs. Has two who's two triples, and 14 stolen bases. But the stolen bases are one of those things in the minors that can be a little misleading. I think he's, I don't know, I don't know. He's the prospect I have the hardest time ranking. And, and we're getting to that point where Connor and I are going to have to start ranking prospects again. Taylor Trammell is the hardest guy I have to rank. Because I can see that there's offensive upside, but he's also really, really limited defensively. And it just puts a lot more pressure on the bat. And if he's not, you know, if he's if he's a, if he's a, just not doesn't have the arm and just not very good. I don't know what he does for Cincinnati because they're they're a team that's on the rise and should be contending. So yeah, I just don't. I, Taylor Trammell's a hard guy to rank, but he's definitely talented. And last year, I remember he pimped what he thought was a home run, ended up being a double or a triple, and then he he the entire team, the entire broadcast just made fun of him. So I really he's a fun guy. So I think that he's going to be someone to someone that we we keep an eye on because he's going to have a little bit of fun out there. He's a he's a top. 30 prospect. I just don't know if he's a top 15 guy that a lot of people put him as. And then let's transition over to the Colorado Rockies. They have one representative, and he's 
kind of a relative unknown. In Ben Bowden, he's a left-handed pitcher who, let me pull up his stats because his stats, this is, this is not great podcasting. I really should have got a co-host. But yeah, so Ben Bowden is a left-handed pitcher. Actually, while I wait for everything to load up, let's transition over to another, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, Gavin Lux and Dustin May. Dustin May is a right-handed pitcher with really, really good stuff. I think he's going to come out and show everyone why he's one of the best pitching prospects in the minors. He's also got 80 great hair, beautiful, like long, luscious red hair. They call him Ginger Guard, which is just beautiful. He's, he just comes at you with a fast with a with a set with a 70 grade fastball. It's got it just has so much movement. It's like 97. It is it is just crazy. And then we'll mix in a cutter, which is great. I really like guys who throw cutters. You know, you know, give the guy an extra look. Uh, got that curveball, so he's got a way. He's got the the pitches move all in different ways and change up, and the controls really come a long way. He's now in AAA right now, so he is really, really close to the majors. So, you know, with the way the Dodgers are a little nefarious with their... Um, a little nefarious with how do I want to put this? A little nefarious with their DL dealings. This is someone, you know, 6'6 pitcher with a potential plus frame. He's really, really talented. We could be seeing him in the majors at some point this year, but he's one of their representatives. And their second representative is actually Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux is a guy who a lot of people going into the season they're kind of you know lukewarm on him now he's potentially talked about as a top 25 prospect and he he's got some power he's got some speed he's also in face very close to the majors i think we're going to be going to be talking about him you know joining a double play partnership with Corey seager unless Corey seager moves to third base but Gavin Lux can play shortstop, can play second base, shows power, shows a little bit of speed. He's got a lot of 55s, and, and you know, the 60 is his run. He's a fast guy. So we could just see him. You know, the Dodgers like to move guys around and platoon and move and take advantage of matchups, and he could definitely be someone who they really, really, they, they really value. Now, obviously, it's a very, very small sample size. We're talking about, like, 15 or so plate appearances, but he's hitting 615, 667, and slugging one. So looking one thousand over one thousand with one point one five four, OPSing eighteen twenty, he is just he's just crazy right now. But yeah, that's only a three game sample size. But right now, you know his overall numbers in the minors three twenty seven, average three eighty nine on base and five fifty one slug. He did have a really cool moment with his manager when he was called up. So he was a guy, he's one of those guys twenty twenty upside. And someone I'd be really keeping an eye on. Now let's go to back to Ben Bowden because those, the stats were taking a little while to load. He is pure relief prospect. And at this point, he's a, in AAA. He has three innings. He also has a couple innings. He has 25 innings or so in AA. They've actually, they've actually kind of used him weirdly. He started a few games, but he's... he's Actually, no, he hasn't. That was, those are saves. He has 20 saves in his 29 games. Struck out 14.73 per nine in double in A and walked 2.45 and didn't give up a lot of home runs in double A. Now, we're talking about three games, three innings, so I'm not going to take too much. And it's also triple A where they have the major league ball and he's in the PCL. He's in one of the worst parks, Albuquerque as well, home parks, what home park wise. So kind of kind of right off the 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 triple A stats as we talk right now. But he's someone who pure really prospect could impact the Rockies this year. I really, really think that this is someone who, you know, he gets by with a 
with a plus fastball and a plus cha plus changeup. So kind of a weird pitch mix as well for a really, really good reliever. But he's a 2016 draft. Drafty. And he's definitely, he's close to the majors, so, and he probably could be the guy closing out the game for the for the National League squad because he's, you know, got, already got that experience, and they're probably grooming him to be a left-handed left closer because they, you know, they kind of need a little bit of help with Wade Davis not being too great. Now let's transition over to the Miami Marlins. Miami Marlins are the first team that we're going to talk about that have three representatives, Sixto Sanchez, Isan Diaz, and Monty Harrison. Monty Harrison, I don't know if he's going to be playing because he recently doubled an injury. He actually had this weird situation where... He's a usually a right-handed hitter. was a, was originally a switch hitter, and then had to drop a left-handed swing. He's a guy who swings swings and misses a lot, so he was going to walk into left-handed batter's box, and then his manager got got angry at him, and then pulled him from the game right in the middle, right before his at bat or plate appearance. Sorry, at bats for for losers, and he's someone who I just think, you know, we're gonna talk about plus power, swing and miss, three true outcomes guy. But he got pulled from the game because he was dealing with an injury is what came out afterwards. So that's why he wasn't feeling comfortable swinging the bat right-handed. So he tried to go out there and fight through it for his team, but ended up doing it left-handed. And then his manager saw that and was just like, nah, dude, you're good. He's probably ready for the majors, but they're not going to call him up. They have no reason to. Miami's so bad. Miami's one of the worst teams in the majors. So there's no point calling him up. Let's go to Isan Diaz. Isan Diaz is one of the return. One, him and Monty Harrison were two of the players that they got back for Christian Yelich, which is a trade that looks like, man... Miami really got fleeced. Isan Diaz is a middle infielder. There's some talk he could be a could could play shortstop if needed, but I don't think that's anything. I don't think we can really count on that for him. He has he's shown some power and he's shown a little bit of speed, but I think he's limited to second base because his arm's not that great. He's already 23. There's going to be you know some interesting conversations. What do they do with Starling Castro? Because he's hitting so well in the, in the PCL. Again, PCL. Little little disclaimer. He was. He was. You know, the PCL is dealing with the Major League ball. And they already have extreme offensive environments. But he's someone who, 295 average, 389 on base, 562 slug, 18 home runs, 2 stolen bases. Strikes out a little bit. 69. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. But, I don't know. This is a guy who... We could be seeing, but probably started in the second base spot for the National League squad, and could really, really take off in the major leagues, just because they have no one there. There's no one holding him back. Starling Castro is kind of just roster fodder at this point, and then I don't think that he is someone who you're going to be upset when Isan Diaz is called up. Now, they're probably going to game his service time a little bit, just because they're the Miami Marlins. They... They don't really have a lot of money. They complained that they didn't have money. That's why they had to tear down their team and get Isan Diaz in return for a, for the best player in the National League at the moment. But yeah, he swing and miss to his game and probably second baseman, but could play shorts up in a pinch if, for a bad team that needed needed the help. Now let's talk about their top prospect. The top prospect is Sixo Sanchez, and he'll actually be representing the Miami Marlins in this game. He has an insane fastball curveball mix. Both easy 60 pitches. Fastball can, has touched 100, I believe. Very close to it, if not. He's a converted third baseman who, who really took to pitching and is just striking guys out like crazy it, recently. This year, not so much. 60 strikeouts and 63 innings, but he also doubles, doubled a little bit of injury issues. 
but he's now up to 63 innings, so I feel like, you know, they're going to let him go a little bit longer, maybe get to this, and then there's a potential chance he gets called up to AAA because he's kind of ready for that level. 52 innings, 54 strikeouts in AA, only 9 walks. Guy's got really good command because he throws a lot of pitches in the strike zone. Probably more control over than command, but Sixto Sanchez is probably one of the top pitching prospects in the game. He's just shorter. There's, there's a lot of relief talk with him. But they got him back for Real Muto, and I think that was a really, really good haul. Now, Jorge Alfaro is all right. He's just kind of tools over baseball skills, so we'll, we won't talk about that too much. But Sixto Sanchez is just really, really good, and I, th- I think they did pretty well for themselves. Now we're going to transition over to the Milwaukee Brewers with Devin Williams. Devin Williams is a... You know what? Actually, let's... let's Wop over him because my computer's being slow again. Damn it, stupid thing. And we will talk about because the notes aren't wanting to load, which is fantastic. We'll talk about Anthony K. Anthony K is a 24-year-old in AAA, so you know, kind of more age-appropriate than he was in AA. Kind of struggled a little bit in AAA. He's someone who's again really talented. Is on the short list to play for the Cubs or the. The Mets. The Mets are a disaster right now. I don't know why I said the Cubs. The Cubs were just the first thing that showed up on my because my computer had a little refresh because it's deciding that it wants to now screw me over. So yeah, but yeah, we we will not talk about why my computer sucks because it needs to kind of be upgraded. And but Anthony K is really really good. Triple A, probably you know nothing too crazy. Shorter guy, left-handed pitcher, control over command. Control, control over stuff, and we kind of, you know, kind of know what he is. He's had a lot of injury issues in the past, and just I think he's just going to be a guy who's mid rotation starter. So if that's your thing, Anthony K. But any any see any sort of league, I'm not kind of investing in Anthony K. He's not really worth the time. And let's go over to Philadelphia Phillies. We have they have Alec Baum, guy that drafted number three overall in last year's draft. He's got plus power, has an above average hit tool. Really struggled in his first taste of pro ball, but now has seemed to really take into pro ball. He's got a got a promotion to double A, so he's kind of getting close. And with the Philadelphia Phillies, I don't know how their third base situation is at the moment. Kind of been, you know, just jumping back into the major leagues after after dealing with a lot of the draft and everything. So yeah, he's he's really hitting really hitting well this season overall. 330 average, 402 on base, 538 slug. Kind of hit a little bit of a stumbling block so far in AAA, or double A, sorry. 250 average, 341 on base, 556 slug. But this is a guy who has 10 home runs in the season, has three of them already in, in the Eastern League. And he, he, you know, kind of plays in an offensive, very offensive environment with their home park. So, yeah, I'm dying right now. I don't know what's up. You're probably here. I have to keep drinking this water because I have this like, weird itch in the back of my throat. And I apologize for everyone that's listening to this. But yeah, Alec Baum, impact, you know, potential 60, not 60, 55, 60 power guy. And let's transition over to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pittsburgh Pirates have Will Craig. Will Craig is an interesting position because he's kind of blocked by what is the emergent star of the season in Will Craig. Um, well, why did I say Will Craig? I'm an idiot. Not Will Craig. Talking about the guy who is... Who is dealing? Josh Bell. Josh Bell. I don't know why I said Will Craig. I'm just, I'm just dying over here. Will Craig is starting to tap into the power that the Pirates, the Pirates decided to, you know, pick him kind of earlier than expected. At 
the 22, 22 overall pick in the fir- in the first round of the 2016 draft because he was someone who the stat cast and the trackman data was off the charts at Wake Forest. So they decided to take him. Kind of took a little while for the power to, to emerge, but this Chevy power has really emerged. 16 home runs, 254 average. Not great, but this is the guy. He's a decent enough defender at first base. Probably, you know, whenever the National League decides to add DH, it could be that. 254 average, 331 on base, 467 slug. So this is a guy who probably won't be anything great, but, you know, fills, fills a position for this squad. And, you know, he's not very exciting. So let's talk about let's talk about the best minor league system there is in the National League. For sure. Easy. Mackenzie Gore will be representing, will be one of the three representatives of San Diego Padres. San Diego Padres, you know, have three talented arms. In, and the three talented arms are actually going to be representing their, their squad. The representing them in the Futures game in Cleveland. Mackenzie Gore, he's got that beautiful leg kick, third overall pick in the 2016 draft, if I remember correctly. He was... Or was it the 2017 draft? He was... All these drafts are blending for me. But he's got a plus-plus changeup. And unfortunately, I haven't got a chance to see him out in the Cal League, which sucks because he's probably going to be promoted at any moment now. So he's just he's just one of the best athletically super gifted athlete because you can just see in the delivery, he's got that long leg kick. He, he had a slider in his draft year, and, you know, we're talking about four 60-grade pitches. Easy. Fastball... Fastball can get to the mid-90s. He's got a really hammer curveball. Probably his best pitch, honestly, with his changeup. Got a really good slider. Really, really good command. This is probably the best pitching prospect. This is the best pitching prospect in all the minors. He's got a really good frame at six foot three, about 200 pounds. Like I said, really, really solid athlete. Really, really good all-around pitcher. Really good fielder as well from all the reports I've read, so that's always a nice bonus. But yeah. Mackenzie Gore, he is, I can't say enough about him. He's just so, so talented. And let's talk about one of his rotation mates in Luis Patino. Luis Patino is a guy who gets up, who's a right-hander. Unlike Mackenzie Gore, who's a left-hander. Mackenzie Gore's going to carry a little bit more cachet being the left-hander. Left-handers are carry a little bit more value for some people, and and I'm one of those. He's got a fastball that can get up to 98. I believe it's touched 100, but he's someone who... Killer fastball, killer slider, everything else is just kind of lies behind a little bit. Now, he's someone who probably could be a, a killer reliever. You know, talking about the you know the Josh Hader types. I think we're talking about, you know, everyone's looking for the next Josh Hader. I think Luis Patino is the next Josh Hader. He's a reliever who's going to get a lot of strikeouts, doesn't give up a lot of hard contact. You know, in the very hitter-friendly California League, he, he's only let up three home runs in 59, 59 and a third innings. So he's definitely handled himself really well. Luis Patino is one I really, really like. And I'm trying not to ramble on too much. So let's go on to Adrian, Adrian Morion. Adrian Morion is the third of this trio. He's in the double A, so he's in the highest level. He's someone who he kind of... He kind of just moves up and down prospect lists a lot. It just depends on if you like him or not. He was signed for $11 million, so he's got one of those big bonus caches and everything. I know my guy Connor likes him a lot. He has 30 innings under his belt, 38 strikeouts, 3 home runs, double A, 3 home runs allowed. But this is someone, he just shows advanced feel for pitching. You know, he's on the smaller side. They say six foot. I think he's a little bit below that. But... He could be a mid-rotation starter, and that's definitely got some value for a team, especially like San Diego, and he, and he could even be more valuable as a trade tip 
for them. He's, you know, on the fringes of the top 100 for a lot of guys. I know he's probably top 50. He's like, I think he's top 50 for Pipeline and probably, I don't know how, I don't know where he ranks as far as Fangraph goes because those, you know, Fangraph is the one I trust the most if we're just going. And Fangraph is the site I use for stats just because I like the colors. I'm kind of a child like that. So, yeah. I think I think Morion. I think we I think it covered the, the three really really three best pitching prospect like grouping in the entire minor leagues. I don't think you can get a better better trio than Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino, and Adrian Morion. And then we're going to transition over to their division one of their division rivals in the San Francisco Giants. San Francisco has the number two pick in last year's draft. Um, representing them and catcher Joey Bart. Joey Bart is a guy with a little bit injuries this year, but he's. A catcher with immense power and can really call a game, has a plus arm and a really good defender behind the plate. I think that's his calling. Those are his calling cards. I don't think he's ever going to be a high average guy, but if he ever gets, you know, 260, 270 average, I think we're talking about a potential MVP candidate. And then we got Heliot Ramos. Heliot Ramos is an absolute stud. He kind of struggled last year just dealing with his first, first full season of pro ball, but he's really taken off this year. He's what league is he is in he's actually on the same team as Joey Bart and he's a couple years younger he's 19 in high a which is a which is impressive this is a guy he's got some swing and miss to his game but he's also got immense raw power you know 294 average 383 on base 508 slug nine home runs this is someone nine home runs as a 19 year old in high a is nothing to scoff at you know and he's and he's hitting well too he's making quality contact he's probably a right fielder because I think he's going to fill out a little bit more and add a little bit more power but he's someone, you know, with the way the Giants are building, you know, you got your potential catcher of the future and Joey Bart, and then you've got Heliot Ramos in one of the corner spots, and then, you know, a long ways away, but Marco Luciano, they've got the start of something really, really talented. And then they've got they've got, they've got guys like Sean Shelley, Jake Wong, someone I really, really like, Alexander Canario, who's been just killing the AZL this year. So I just think, you know, what the Giants are doing is really exciting. And now we're going to transition over to a team that's kind of, you know, the fan base is kind of annoying on Twitter, if I'm going to be honest. Kind of, kind of, just kind of gotten a little out of hand. In the St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis has two guys representing them, Dylan Carlson and Nolan Gorman. There is a debate on who is their best prospect. I think I'm going to say it's Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson has made major improvements since becoming a professional baseball player. He was a, he's a, he's a late first-round pick, switch hitter. And he's in double A, 282 average with a 361 on base, 496 slug, 11 home runs, 11 stolen bases. So he will show you the power. He will show you the speed. He's probably a corner guy as opposed to a center fielder, but I think he's to be a potential plus defender in right field. He's got, he's really, really solid out there. I just don't think he's got enough speed to move and enough defense to move guys like Harrison Bader off, but that's nothing to worry about right now. Dylan Carlson, I think is the number one prospect, really, really talented guy. And then you've got the guy that drafted who kind of, Unexplicably fell. This guy was talked about as a first round pick, or as a first round pick, as a top five pick, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Cardinals get him at the 19th pick in the 2018 draft. That's Nolan Gorman. He's already he's 19. He's in high A. So back to back teams that have 19 year olds in high A. He kind of struggles with average, and I don't think that's ever going to be anything significant for him. But this guy who has immense raw power, has a lot of holes in his swing, and he's a decent enough defender at third base. He's not going to be plus. But he could potentially be, you know, above average. And this is a guy, his calling card is going to be his ability to hit for power and draw draw walks. So in the Midwest League, because that's what he's got. He's got, you know, he's he, had, he has about 270 plate appearances or so. 
241 average, not great. 344 on base, really, really good. And then 448 slug. So not as much power as you'd think, but this is a guy who's got more power to tap into. He's kind of, he's been pushed. He's been, he's been young for every level that he's been at. And I think that's something to keep an eye on with a lot of guys. How are they doing relative to age, relative to level? And he's already high, he's in high A as a 19 year old. And he's already, you know, got a really flat frame. I think once he once he gets into it, he's going to be a guy who hits for a lot of power. I don't think it's going to be in the Florida State League because the Florida State League is known to su- suppress power like nobody's business. Very pitcher-friendly ballparks. So we'll see how that goes. I thought it was kind of weird that they were so aggressive with him after he, he wasn't doing anything too great. But the Cardinals do a decent enough job developing guys. Just, you know, they, they got a lot of annoying fans on Twitter, so... We'll see. And then to round out the National League, we got Carter Keeboom. We've already, we've already seen Carter Keeboom at the highest level. He It was kind of a mixed bag. He showed you a little bit of this, showed you a little bit of that. He kind of showed us that he probably isn't a shortstop going going forward. Probably a second baseman. And probably a really good defensive one, too. And But he's been killing it in the minors. 322 average, 436 on base, 595 slug. He has nothing left to prove in the minors. So he's got 13 home runs, three stolen bases, Is has walked 45 times, only struck out 56 in about 270 plate appearances. So yeah, he's definitely he's definitely someone who I think just is definitely ready for the majors. And he could be someone who, you know, after the Futures game, if he shows off a little bit, they could call him up because Brian Dozier isn't exactly doing anything to hold him off as we speak right now. So yeah, that's the National League roster. I really like it. I think it's really, really talented. But let's get to the American League. I think the American League's got some studs on it. Some, some, some really, really just crazy talented guys. We're going to start off with Baltimore. Probably the worst team in the majors. Them, Miami, Detroit. You know what we're talking about. Three teams deep in rebuilds. Long ways away from competing. You know, Baltimore just had the number one pick. Adley Rushman. I wish he was going to be in this game. He's not going to be. They... They do not add recently drafted guys, which sucks because Ellie Rushman would for sure be in this game. But we got their second, two and three best prospects. There's a little bit of debate on who's two and three and what their order is. But we're going to start with D.L. Hall, lefty. D.L. Hall, guy who kind of fell in his draft because there was a lot of reports, kind of a dick. And, and kind of a dick to a point where guys in Major League Baseball are kind of worried. They're like, man, this guy's, guy's kind of a fucking asshole. So we'll see. But this is someone who's striking like striking guys out like crazy. 48 in the two-thirds inning, 73 strikeouts, 38 walks. The walks are not great. The command's kind of taking a step back. But this is someone who's just shown, you know, for for someone who's not very tall. They say 6'2". I think, I think he's closer to 6 foot. He is just so talented with the strikeouts. He's just, he's going to, he's going to control. He's going to, he's going to need to get control, but his, his fastball and curveball combo, that curveball is a 60, maybe even a 70 grade pitch. It is killer. It is, it is nasty. You can ask Luke Seiler on Twitter. He is, he, Luke Seiler is the, probably the expert on the Baltimore Orioles minor league system. This is someone who's just so good and just ask Luke. Just ask Luke about Dale Hall. He, you, you can't go wrong. And then we're going to talk about Grayson Rodriguez, who some people are calling the next Forrest Whitley. And I don't know if I really agree with that. You know, there's a, he was drafted by a guy, and Mike, Mike Elias is going to develop him. But, and you know, there's just I, don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see the Forrest Whitley. You know, Texas guy, 
big big frame, a couple of different pitches. This is a guy who, you know, mixes in potentially three or four plus pitches in the fastball, the slider definitely plus, change up a flash, decent, and then curveball could be plus pitch as well. This guy struck out 78 in 57 innings at A-ball in the Sally League. So he's a, someone really talented. Only walked 15 guys too, which is really, really impressive. He's only allowed two home runs. He's definitely he's definitely way more advanced than I think people thought. He was someone who we were worried maxed out frame. How much projection is there left? There's a lot of projection left for this guy. This guy could add, this guy could even add more velocity to his his fastball. He can get up to 97, 98. It's, it's not it doesn't sit there. It's more in mid 90s, 92 to 95. But he is just so talented, and I think. What the what the Orioles are doing is just something in- incredible. They've got a, they had a really good draft class this year. They'll talk about when we get into the first year player draft guys, but you know, got Adley Rushman, Deal Hall, and Grayson Rodriguez already in their system, and they might be doing some things in the international market too, which is rare, rare for this team. Now let's transition to the Boston Red Sox, the reigning na- the reigning national. I don't know what the hell is going to say National League. They defeat the National League in the World Series. The reigning World Series champions, the Boston Red Sox. They have one representative, Jaron Duran. He's a guy that's kind of flying up prospect rankings. He's definitely got all. He's definitely got some tools. He's a plus runner, and probably and a plus fielder. Probably has to move to right. Probably has to move to left field because the arm is nothing crazy. He was a seventh round pick, so he's one of these guys. These pop up prospects, a lot of people get scared of. He absolutely destroyed the Carolina League. Three eighty seven average, with a four fifty six on base, five forty three slug, and then it's kind of come back down to earth in over a hundred plate appearances at the double A level. Two eleven average, two seventy nine OBP, two sixty three slug with. Zero home runs and three stolen bases, as opposed to four home runs and 18 stolen bases. Now, stolen bases can be a little misleading in the minor leagues because minor league defenses are not as good as the majors. I was recently at a high A game, and ooh, some of that defense was rough, except for Andrelton Simmons was on a rehab assignment. So I got to see, you know, what a what a gold glove caliber shortstop looks like. Yeah, Jordan Duran is someone who I worry he's what Austin Hayes was a couple years ago, a guy who drafted a little later, a little bit more advanced for the level, and then gets up to the upper minors and just and just struggles. And then just Jaron Duran, you know, someone probably the Red Sox are looking to trade trade high, but I just don't, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's that good. But who else was really going to represent this team? He could have had Tristan Casas or Bobby Dahlbeck, or if you want with a reliever, Durbin Feltman, who kind of puzzling that he's not up already, kind of kind of kind of surprised me. He's only at double A too. But he's also not performing very well. So, yeah, Boston Red Sox is not a very exciting system. Now we can go to probably one of the better systems in the ma- in the major league in the main in all of baseball. But you know they have two representatives. They have Luis Robert and Nick Madrigal as Chicago White Sox. Luis Robert is absolutely destroying the game right now. He is one of the hottest hitters in all of baseball. He has he's just showing the tools are finally showing up, and it's great because this guy dealt with injuries. But he's showing that why everyone loved him so much and why he was such a big deal when he when he was eligible to sign. 20, $26 million guy. And and it's starting to look like a really good investment. We're talking about a 356 across two levels. 356, 407, 630. Right? That's insane. He has 200 and 220 or so late appearances at double A in the Southern League. 320 average, 367 on base, 524 slug, seven home runs, 16 stolen bases. In his, you know, about a no, about about 80 plate appearance sample size in the Carolina League, at, in high A, 
453 average, 512 on base, 920 slug with eight home runs and eight stolen bases. I'm so glad that the tools are finally there and he's finally healthy. Luis Robert is just, he's probably the tools wise, the most talented player in the minors. Just, just tools absolutely out the wazoo. Power, speed, defense. He's just so good. Is this happy? I'm just happy that he's finally stayed healthy. And then Nick Magical, someone I'm kind of a little less excited about. Nick Magical has almost no power. 30 great power. But we're talking about a guy who makes really, really good contact and doesn't swing and doesn't swing and miss hardly ever. Eight strikeouts. Eight strikeouts in almost three in over three hundred plate appearances. No, no, no. Yeah, about three hundred plate appearances. He just doesn't strike out. Ever. Eight. Eight strikeouts. Twenty-four walks. Doesn't draw a lot of walks either. 301, 370, 401 slug. Slugging's not great. This is a guy, you know, his game is being a slap, put the ball in play, slap hitter with with some speed and a really good defender at second base. I don't think he's a shortstop going forward. I know they, they announced him as a shortstop when the draft happened. I just don't think that's, that's he just not doesn't have the range, range to play. Or he has the range, he just doesn't have, just doesn't have the instincts to play there. Really, really good defender at second base. So we could see some highlight reel plays from those from these two White Sox guys. Let's go to the, let's go to the home team, Cleveland, Cleveland Indians. Nolan Jones, he's a guy, plus power, gets on base and plays really good defense at third base. There was some talk that he might have to move, move to first base, you know, when he was drafted, but kind of quieted those. Really, really good arm, and that's just someone really, 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 really interesting guy, especially in fantasy leagues, OBP leagues. You should really have to bump him up. He has the chance to be a impact guy in any sort of league format, but especially those ones. Especially those ones where he has, where his OBP skills are are more appreciated than the average. The average will be fine, but he is really, really talented defender. Really, really talented guy getting on base, and he'll hit for some power. Three truck guy. Now Daniel Jones. Or Daniel Johnson. Sorry, Daniel Johnson is the second guy. He was the return for the catcher that they traded, Young Gums. Young Gomes is a really good defensive catcher, and Daniel Jones is a really good defensive center fielder with a, with a cannon of an arm. 70 grade arm, 60 grade defender with power, some speed, but there's some swing and miss to his game. So far in AAA, he is killing it. We're talking about a 150, 150 plate appearance sample, so nothing too big, but not only too small. 288 average, 374 on base, and and 523 slug. Why is he not with the major league squad? There's, there's some issues. Why is he not with the major league squad? That they need they need outfielders like like nobody's business. So why is he not up with the major league squad? It just doesn't make sense. Now he's also he's he comes from a a program which hasn't produced a lot of major league talent yet in New Mexico State because their their park is freaking insane. The just balls fly out left and right. It is a very very talented. Um, guy right now, Daniel Johnson, and he's really ascending. And I think you know he might have some redraft value that I would I would tap into if I was if I was any one of you guys that needed an outfielder. So that's that's the home team, the 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 home representatives. So let's transition over to never too never too early talk about you know my favorite my favorite team, the Detroit Tigers. They have Matt Manning, Isaac Paredes, Jake Rogers. Jake Rogers plus defensive catcher has some power. Won't be anything crazy average-wise. Probably going to be starting catcher, from from what I'd assume. I'm also, you know, kind of shaded because I'm a low-level homer. And then you got Isaac Paredes, guy who's third baseman, who I think the defense has come a long way. 
he's got some power. He's young for the level, and he's got he's got a little bit, he's got a little bit of you know contact skills, so he could be really interesting. Matt Manning, absolute stud. Six eggs just gets at you. Really good fastball, some movement, change up. Changeups come a long way. Changeup could show could show plus depending on the when you see him, and a really really good curveball. He's the second best pitching prospect in the Detroit system, and he's a top ten pitcher in all of the minors. Houston Astros, they're going to add JB Bukowskis, who is a guy who I think is a reliever long term, but could be a really really good multi inning reliever. You know, in that like Chris Davinsky type role. Sorry again, I don't know what's up with my my throat. It's just it's just really itchy right now. Any, anything that caused any sort of reaction either, so got to figure out. But J.B. Bukaskis, plus fastball, really big slider, seventh grade slider. It was killer at the University of North Carolina. And, and file reports, nothing, nothing's changed. And they change up pretty decent, so he's giving you three offerings. I just don't know if he has the stuff to get through a lineup three times. Now, then let's transition over to the guy. I'm just, I'm just not a fan of Brady Singer. I like, I like Chris Bubich more than I like Brady Singer. Brady Singer is just... He's fine. He's nothing too crazy. I don't like the delivery. The stuff was, I don't think it was ever as good as people put it out to me. I'd rather have Chris Bubich, honestly, pitch in this game. But I'm also the biggest Chris Bubich fan in the world. You know, Brady Singer was a guy who is who did not sign out of high school. He was one of those Alex Anthopoulos guys who did not sign. So that, that's something to keep an eye on. A lot of prospect cachet. He just doesn't strike out a lot of guys. Has decent command. Kind of struggled going up to the north, going up to, um, going up to the Texas League. Is really you know six thirty five, ERA in twenty two and two thirds innings, fourteen strikeouts. The strikeouts really took a dip. Strikeouts were, there were fifty seven two thirds and two thirds innings, fifty three strikeouts at high A. Strikeouts really took a dip when the batters got better, because the high, the hardest jump in the minors is the double A is the high A to double A jump. Now let's talk about Chris Bubich, who I absolutely love. He's he's in high A, probably a little bit, a little bit more advanced than he, he, that level. But he's someone who struck out like crazy when he was in the Sally League. He struck out guys like crazy. Seventy-five guys in forty-seven two-thirds innings, fifteen walks. This is a guy plus changeup, decent curveball, fastball can show plus. I just don't know. I just don't understand why they had to send Brady Singer. I don't understand what Brady Singer love. Just something I never understood, and I don't think I ever will. People, you know, Brady Singer is fine. Probably fourth starter, just nothing too crazy. Um, let's talk about someone who I've actually seen in person in Joe Adele for the Los Angeles Angels. Joe Adele is probably the best athlete in the minor league. So good. I've seen him jump off and do backflips. And, you know, he's just someone. But we're talking about his baseball skills, and his baseball skills are immense. He, right now, could be ta- we could be talking about, you know, one of these guys who you stash in your redraft leagues because he is killing it in double A. He is a 392 average in, you know, just about 90 plate appearances. 392 average, 458 on base, 635 slug. This is a guy who just is, is just way more advanced than I think we even realize, and he's got all the tools, plus power, plus speed, plus defender in center field, and just a plus arm. I think this is a guy who we kind of, you know, didn't, didn't properly account for the tools when he signed. And this is someone very talented and could be a key contributor early next year. Joe Adele, I think he's going to be someone that everyone should be watching. Because the way he moves in center field is just, it's just graceful. It's just like, it's like watching his It's like watching someone slice through butter. So yeah, Joe Adele, someone I love. I'm glad I got to see him last year in the Cal League because he was just so good. Now let's go on to, go on to the Minnesota Twins. They have Royce Lewis and Jordan Bl- 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 
Blazajevich. I am not very good with names. I will put that out. Someone with a really hard name for a lot of people, Reese, R-H-Y-S, is not very good with names, so it kind of sucks. But Royce Lewis, kind of not performing well. I've heard that I've heard that there's been some talk that he's been dealing with a lot of swing changes. It's been kind of a mess at the plate. 229 average, 276 on base, 350 slug, 625 OPS. OPS isn't great, but sometimes, you know, shows, shows what they are doing in in about 330 plate appearances. So, but he's, you know, he's still stealing bases, 13, showing a little bit of pop in six home runs. Just, I think he just, you know, just needs to settle it down and, and just show everyone why you were drafted number one overall. You were not drafted number one overall just because you were going to cut, cut the deal. You were drafted number one overall because you're a really talented player and I kind of, you know, those talks that he might be falling down from some people's lists, and I don't think he, he's not doing that for me. He's staying where he, you know, he's staying in the top 10 range, maybe dips a little bit into like the top 15, just because there's so many good guys that have just come out of nowhere. You know, Wander Franco is going to be someone who grows. He was not someone I thought of as a top 5 prospect. I thought of the people crazy, actually, for putting him in that in that range. But yeah, and then let's talk about one of his teammates at high A, Jordan Blazazovich. Jordan Blazovich is a right-handed pitcher. He will show you a really good fastball, really good slider. Fringy command can be fringy. We're talking about a guy who strikes at high A, 11.6, and walking three batters per nine, so not bad. And and you know not giving up, not giving up 0.6 home runs per nine. So someone really really good. And his ERA is three, but his FIP says he's he's, he's getting a little bit unlucky at two. XFIP 291. You know, he's someone who even was at high A, 20 innings, 14.37K per nine, 1.74 walks per nine, and 0.04 home runs per nine. And, you know, he's someone who outperformed his his, his ERA as well. You know, 1.65 FIP, 2.07 XFIP, and 2.18 ERA. This is a guy really, really good. I like the mechanics. I think it's very simple. And I think he's just going to be a guy who keeps rising. He's kind of a kind of Kind of a kind of a complete riser, just out of nowhere, you know. Fifth round pick, showing a little bit, showing that he had should have been drafted a little bit higher. And I think the Twins got a really really good one. He's bordering on, you know, we might have to have a discussion if he keeps us up. Who's better, him or Bruce Jarrett at all? I just don't know who I'd put, but number one. So let's go on to the New York Yankees. New York Yankees only have one player representing them, and kind of kind of goes to show you the system's kind of fallen off a little bit. And a lot of that. That's graduations, right? When you graduate, Aaron Judge, Gilbert Torres, Gary Sanchez in recent years, he's kind of thin farm system. But they've got a little bit of talent. They've got a lot of young guys. And the future doesn't really have a lot of guys that are below the high A level. There's a, there's a few guys. But they, they try to they try to showcase the closer to the majors, which I think is smart for the average fan. Because the average fan that doesn't know all these guys that wants to tune into this game, you know, they'll see these guys and two, three years. David is actually almost close to have to be put on the 40-man roster. It's going to be something to keep an eye on. The Yankees apparently need a starting pitcher, even though they've got more pitch what no one knows what to do with. There's some questions on whether David Garcia is a starter or reliever. I think he's fine as a starter. I don't think he'll be anything too crazy. I think he'll be one of those guys who five and fly or, you know,
pull him after five five and two thirds innings. Nothing too crazy, but he'll strike out a lot of guys. The command is hasn't been impeccable. You know, walking four per nine the, across two levels: four point eight, four point zero eight in high A, and four point two one in at double A. But he's just showing that he's got immense strikeout stuff. You know, ground balls could be a little bit higher, but that's that should come. He's just getting by with an insane fastball. Fastball curveball. He's kind of small for the position too, so I kind of worry how he's going to hold up. The Fangraphs listen at five nine one sixty three, so I think he's probably you know maybe max that at five nine one eighty two hundred maybe, but he's just someone you got to kind of worry about that that frame because not a lot of guys are five foot nine that start in the major leagues. But yeah, Davey Garcia probably he's easily top fifty probably so talented so young for the level two he's twenty years old. Yeah, kind of a more recent 20-year-old, but 20 years old in double-A, so that's nothing to scoff at. He's really, really, really good, I think. He's easily, as of right now, because Jason Dominguez hasn't signed, he's the number one prospect. And let's go on to, actually, someone who used to be in the Yankee system. That's a segue, ladies and gentlemen. Jorge Mateo. Jorge Mateo, plus speed. Shown some power a little bit, but also that power could be a little misleading because he is in triple-A, and the triple-A, you know, he's in the PCL, having to deal with having to deal with the juice ball and the major leagues has and plus the insane offensive environment so we'll see with Jorge Mateo I don't know where he fits in with Oakland but he's definitely someone who this could be his last futures game and thanks hopefully knock on wood this is the last time anyone has to rank him this upcoming time because it's just you know I like him I, I always root for guys to get, to get promoted let's move on to Seattle Seattle has two guys that were not drafted by the organization representing them, and Jared Kalanick, who was the first-round selection of the Mets in, the, in last year's draft, who's just on a tear right now. He's just he's just showing everyone why he maybe should have been the number one pick. But right now, Jared Kalanick is just really really talented, showing off some power, showing off some speed, showing off that maybe he can stick in center field, which is crazy. No one th- people thought you know people thought I, I including people thought he was a right fielder long term, but no, he might be a center fielder going forward. And then we're going to transition to Justin Dunn, extreme athlete, two-pitch guy, but extremely athletic. I think he, you know, Seattle's going to give him a chance to start. I think he's their best He's their best pitching prospect by a lot. Actually, no, wait. No, they've got Logan Gilbert. Never mind. He's definitely the second-best pitching prospect because Sheffield's not been very good. Sheffield actually got demoted to double-A, and that's not exciting. And then Evan White. Evan White is their third representative. He is a plus-plus defender for space. Gold glove caliber. He could, he could walk into the major leagues right now and... And wouldn't go glove. He's that good defensively. And then we're talking about a guy who, you know, he's more hit over power, but the power is starting to come. The power is starting to come with him. So we could be talking about, you know, 55, 55, 55. I don't know why I said 55 three times. 55 hit, 55 power, and a 70 glove at first base. That is that is definitely something to keep an eye on for Seattle. Now they've got Dan Vogelbach, who is is a, is a majestic looking human being. He is he is in peak physical shape. All the sarcasm included. But yeah, Dan Vogelbach is not going to keep Evan White from playing defense. And Evan White can play a little outfield. He's kind of like Cody Bellinger in that fact. He's not as talented as a hitter as Cody Bellinger. Doesn't have the power. Doesn't have, you know, just doesn't have the impact that I think Cody Bellinger will ever have. But Evan White is a really, really good player. And kind of a, kind of one of these really interesting archetypes. Plus, plus defender at first base who can go play in the outfield too. So that's very valuable. Now let's talk about Tampa Bay Rays. They have the best farm system in the in the American League for sure. You can debate whether it was San San Diego. 
I was about to say San Francisco. San Francisco doesn't have a good farm system. It's, it's on the rise. I've got a more prospect. Wander Franco. There's been a tweet going around. You know, he's hitting really well in five games, but it's five games, people. Come on. We're not we're not we're not falling in love with a five game sample size. But Wander Franco is so good. He is the number one prospect easily. Easily. There's no there's no debate about it. It's it's, it's actually, you know, kinda sucks that we can't have any sort of debate about it. But he's he, he's just proved that he's the the best guy. He's eighteen in high A and he might already be too good for high A. He's hit two home runs five games in high A with a stolen on base, 556 average, 609 on base, almost nice, and 944 slug. But this is someone who, in the Midwest League, is an 18-year-old, hit six home runs, 14 stolen bases, 318 average, 390 on base, and 506 slug. So he's showing why everyone loves him so much. And I don't, I, I worry about him if he's, you know, what what would he add to his frame if he's gonna have to move up to shortstop. If he moves to second base, the guys potential gold glove at second base, but I just worry about him at shortstop, especially with some of the other guys, you know, that they've got. This could be an interesting thing. If he stays at shortstop, this is, this is, this is a guy who I don't think, he's a, he's not a Francisco Lindor level impact guy, not a gold glover who's got plus speed, but he's very similar to Xander Bogarts, and that I think people are going to kind of, you know, Xander Bogarts, I think it's a little underrated, he's talking about shortstop in the American League, so I like, I like Wander Franco a lot. If Wander Franco ends up being Xander Bogarts, I think that's an it's, it's a really good thing. Brendan McKay, second guy for the Tampa Bay Rays of three. I wonder if he's going to be playing because he got a call up to the major leagues and looked really really good. He, he was really really he was he just showed everything showed showed everyone who he was. There was those we kind of knew what Brendan McKay was. There wasn't a lot of you know anything that we had to worry about in his major league debut. He was why is it not showing there? All right, that's fine. Okay, so we'll talk about his minor leagues while the major leagues, major league loads up. He has he's pitched in. Oh, oh, that's why that that site only showed his his pitching or his hitting, which he did not that I know of. So yeah, we'll talk about his pitching. Six innings, you know, didn't strike out a lot of guys, but showed immense command. Didn't allow a home run. Has a zero ERA in the major leagues. And, you know, in double in A and triple A, he was showed off a little bit of strikeouts, showed some command, didn't allow many home runs. This is a guy who's a two-way player, so it's interesting to see how they handle him. They pat him on a six-day um, pitching schedule. Sorry about that. But now, you know, he's in the major leagues. I might have to adjust some things. I don't think he's enough hitter to where you can, you know, pencil him into the lineup every day. But, you know, a couple pinch hit appearances and give G-Man Choi a little bit of rest. I think that's what Brendan McKay is. He's really, really good. And then let's transition over to the, the second catcher, actually. Ronaldo Hernandez. He is in high A. He's a 21-year-old, so he's on the same team as Wander Franco. He has shown the ability to command a staff, has a plus arm. This will deal with a lot of pitchers here. Hits five home runs, five stolen bases, 259 average, 293 OBP, 396 slug. So he's not anything too crazy with the bat, but his calling card is his defense. His defense has a chance to be elite. He's so good back there, and I think he's just going to be someone who he probably works way into being a starter just because of how good his defense is and how much pitchers will rely on it, rely on him. You know, get those borderline calls. 
because he's got the framing ability, but I don't think he's ever going to be anything too crazy. Now, we can transition over to Texas. Texas has a really interesting farm system, and I'm surprised none of their really good athletes got called up, but instead, Sam Huff did. Sam, right? Yeah, Sam Huff. Sam Huff came out of this year hitting home runs like nobody's business. He currently, you know, is catcher for base. I wonder if he, he probably, his arm is really, really good, but I wonder if he's a catcher long term. But he should be fine back there. There's, there's not a lot to clear the bar to be a major in the major leagues, let's be honest. 15 home runs in 108 at-bats with a 330 average, 368 on base, 790. 796 slug in the South Atlanta League. So he got called up to the Carolina League and has more at-bats, 169. Nice. Uh, has six home runs. The home run pace is definitely slowed down. But everything else is slowed down, too. He walks, though. He has eight walks, 47 strikeouts in the South Atlanta League. 272 average, 324 on base, 462 slug. I think he's somewhere in the middle of that. I don't think he's the insane, what looks like, look like potential generation power guy. But he's also not, you know, not, he's he's above. He's going to be an above average, above average league, uh, a league, above league average catcher who has some power and can hit a little bit. And, you know, the defense you, that's up that's up that's up for debate. But I, I think Sam Huff is really interesting, and I'm kind of glad he got called up because he could be someone who just shows out and just shows the massive raw power in Cleveland. And to finish this off, we got Toronto Blue Jays, Nate Pearson. Nate Pearson is a guy who's been kind of on a weird pitching schedule. He'll pitch five innings, one start, and then he'll go two innings. I think it's just a way to artificially keep his innings low, but also keep him healthy this season. Because this is a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries. This is a guy who has immense potential, but has also dealt with a lot of injuries. He has... <laughs> Bless me. Um, he has a... 70 grades fastball with a 60 grade slider, and then everything else is kind of below average. I really think he's a reliever because I just don't think he's. I just don't think he has. This. I don't think he can keep has the control to be a starter. He's just he's just really wild, and he's currently dealing with an injury. So we'll see if he's even on the roster. But I do think he's a very. I think he's a very very real chance to be a reliever. And if he is a reliever, you know. In one inning stint, he can hit 103-104 when he's going all out, right? He did that in the uh, Arizona Fall League All-Star game. Blew a fastball, 103-104, and now Pete Alonso completely destroyed it. It's, it's a very flat fastball, so he's going to need to work on that. But he's got so much talent, and he just I think he's got, got a chance to be just an, an anchor in the end of a bullpen. So, yeah, Nate Pearson is the final guy. I think I covered everyone on this on this. On this futures game roster, so many prospect all star games to remember. And yeah, I think we're gonna close it off there. That's this is gonna be a really good game. It's gonna be on Sunday. I hope everyone is watching it. And if you want to interact with me, you can interact with me at Reese B White, R H Y S B White is in color on Twitter. You can interact with the 80 Grade Podcast uh, Twitter account, 80 Grade Podcast. And you can interact with you know a whole bunch of guys at six man rotation, and just we're gonna keep things light. Gonna have gonna have some exciting things coming up in the future. And thank you for everyone for listening. Make sure to follow me on Twitter. Make sure to give this a like on all, on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And I just want to say thank you for listening, and see you later.